Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. I'm your host, Laurel Gurrier. Today's episode features Simone Toomer, who will be sharing her home birth story. Uh, Being a doula herself and having a previous birth experience, Simone knew that those aspects would help prepare her for her birth. However, even with that in mind, there were times before labor that she was nervous. Simone's experience highlights that you always have choices in your birth story. With that, hello, Simone, and welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. (laughs) And just as a little... um, Note, we both have our new ones with us, so if you hear some baby cries or noises, that's what you're hearing, but um, they are co-hosts for today. Yeah, we have little <laughs> humans in hand. Um, I'd also like to note for for those um, in the DTI family, Simone actually was one of my um, trainers when I took my training in D.C., so... Um, we have definitely, I mean, I always reach out to her, um, for questions all the time, but I was even more excited to, that she's on the show and sharing her story today. But yes, hello, DTI family. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can you start by telling a little bit about yourself and your family? Definitely. So I am a Brooklyn-based doula, lactation counselor, childbirth educator, La Leche League leader, and mom of now two. Um, So Brooklyn is really like baby central. It's a great place for me to be business-wise. And it's actually my family-wise, it's been an adjustment because I'm like the go-getter businesswoman. And I've been like slowed down from this last birth. So... Yeah, an adjustment. (laughs) Yes, I am dealing with that as well. (laughs) It's really taking me out of my comfort zone. Um, Same here. But yes, Simone does all the things. So we appreciate that about her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Definitely. Um, So I have a five, almost six year old Mackenzie and I just gave birth to Malachi in March. And my pregnancy was really like easy peasy. Um, We knew we were going to try to get pregnant and I knew I wanted a home birth and right away interviewed and fell in love with my midwife, um, Takia Ballard of Sakina Midwifery. Um, It was really important to me to have like a midwife of color. The doula part was debatable for a really long time. Um, And as a doula, I think the main issue in my pregnancy was just overthinking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so when his position was a little funky, as I approached like third trimester, um, I was just like overthinking it, overthinking it and did like chiropractic work and various body work. Um, and I was kind of nervous that me being too much in my head was going to affect my labor. But I think labor has a powerful way of like taking you where you need to go. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, And was there anything? So, you know, as a doula, like you said, you definitely are thinking about all the things. And I found myself doing that same thing. But was there anything from you from Mackenzie's pregnancy that helped prepare you for Malachi's or were things completely different for the two of those? They were pretty um, both like Mm non-eventful pregnancies. However, the only difference was, I think, my knowledge of like an OB practice and now wanting a midwifery-based practice and being able to compare the two, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to McKenzie where appointments were like 10, 15 minutes, check the heartbeat, check, you know, the size of your fundus and be out. My midwife, no appointment was less than an hour. 
Yep. You know, it was really personal. And I really connected with my midwife. I always say I want to be real friends in real life. Right. Like, come <laughs> on. Um, and just like beyond like, how's baby? How's mom doing? How are you sleeping? How's work? Um, you know, any anxieties, any concerns, any thoughts about going back to work? Just really um, making it patient centered, mm-hmm. you know, which I think we've moved far away from in regards right. to our care, right. our mid, um, our OB care, really, I would say most midwives practice that way, especially right. home birth midwives, midwives in the hospital might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the pregnancy itself was pretty similar, but the care was very different. Right, right. And are there certain regulations or restrictions with home births in the New York area? Or how did you have to manage that space? Yeah, I would say in New York, every state is very different in regards to what type of midwife you can hire for a home birth. And not everyone knows there are different types of midwives. Mm -hmm. There's nurse midwives, there's professional midwives, there's certified midwives. In New York, nurse midwives can only practice whether home or in hospital. Okay. Um, And insurance, I did have to change my insurance um, about two months pregnant in order for the home birth to be covered. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And so since you were on the fence about a doula, when did you finally decide that that was, you know, a doula needs a doula? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? The thing was, my my first birth with Mackenzie was five hours. And it was like a gradual buildup. And I was like, I was fine. I didn't want any touch. I was very like introverted and I kind of went within and I was like, will I, will my doula be of any help? Mm -hmm. You know? And something about me was like, you just don't know how things are going to go this time, whether good or, you know, just kind of rearing in another direction. You just don't know. Um, I knew that subsequent babies tend to be faster for many and, you know, low risk woman, you know, my midwife and I had, and my partner had spoke a lot of times about like, if something was supposed to happen, what would it be? You right. know, we you, of course, for a home birth, you prepare. Not many people know you prepare for a transfer. You prepare right. for emergencies. You really think this through. Um, and I actually ended up hiring my bit like a partner that I work with as backup, okay. um, Tanisha of Just For You Doula. And I think I hired her probably close to my third trimester. <laughs> like I played around. I interviewed another doula too that I was really close with, but in, in going back and forth with that decision, she ended up being booked. And I really think Tanisha, I felt safe with her. Mm-hmm. I felt completely comfortable. I call her mama T cause she just had this nurturing vibe about her. Yeah. And so when we did it, we kind of joked like, I don't know why, I don't know what we're going to talk about at the prenatal, <laughs> you know, but in the end I couldn't have imagined my birth without her. Yeah. Like it, I, I needed her all the way. Yeah. Good. Good. So, um, you know, you you were very intentional about having a home birth this time around. Can Definitely. you tell us a little bit about why that was so important to you? I always tell people that my first birth with Mackenzie was a hospital birth and it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I labored at home until the last minute. I got in, got examined with nine centimeters, got into basically the L&D room and they broke my water and I started pushing immediately. Mm-hmm. So it was not a bad experience. However, I do know through my doula experience how in the hospital, even when aiming for an unmedicated birth, you still have restrictions. Mm -hmm. You still fall under their policies and procedures. 
you may have nurses in and out of your room. Mm-hmm. You have the lights on. You have people talking. You have people asking you to sign papers. Like, I personally wanted complete autonomy over my body yep. um, to be co- 100% comfortable. Um, and the thing about my midwife that I loved was she was just completely like, it's your decision. Whatever you want, it's yours. Here's the education behind it. Mm-hmm. Here's the knowledge now you can make that decision for yeah. you. I wanted my body to work on its own terms, no interruption. You know, I asked my midwife, like, how long will you let me go past my due date? What happens if this, you know, gestational yeah. diabetes? What if the baby's position is a little funky, you know? And I always encourage people to, like, we don't interview our OBs. We interview home birth midwives, right? Yep. We see how we click with them. Um, so just being able to sit for, with my midwife for an hour, a little bit over an hour before even making that decision, you right. know, being able to know her experience and the community she served, I felt a hundred percent confident that even if an obstacle was supposed to come up in labor, that I would be safe. The baby would be safe. I would be in great hands. Right. And then choosing a transfer hospital and knowing that, you know, she would still be with us if an emergency happened right. um, was really important. And a big part of it, honestly, was getting out of my head, you know. And once again, she supported me and my part, like my whole family, because my daughter came to some appointments with us, yeah. you know, I was yeah. there when she wasn't in school. Um, so just really allow, like trusting the process. And I knew that could only happen in the hospital and also being free to move however way I wanted, eat whatever right. I wanted, drink whatever I wanted for my daughter to be involved. You know, ironically, right. it happened at night and she was asleep, but I knew um <laughs> It was, it was, all of that was possible. Right. And some things that you really bring up that I think are important are one, we don't typically interview our OBs. Yeah. And, and I've, and since becoming a doula and since also going through my own process of having a birth since becoming a doula, I'm telling clients now, like, you can switch doctors if you want to. Yeah, like, that should be something that you're doing because it, yeah. you're, you're allowing this person to enter such a sacred space. You should have yeah. and feel like you have some type of relationship with them. Yeah. Um, and I think in doing that, like you said, you want your midwife to be like your friend. You you built such a, a strong bond yes. that it takes yes. away all the fear of, okay, if we do have to plan for a transfer or if something was to go different from what we're expecting, there's no fear in it because yeah. you already have a relationship and you're trusting someone to like walk you through and help you 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 navigate what that might look like yeah. um which is so important because whether things go exactly as planned or a little bit different or all the way different as long as you have the education behind it mm-hmm. and you feel like you have some type of control there's no fear yeah. it's like this was the all this is, is key exactly exactly so with that can you tell us about your birth experience? Definitely. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I went over my due date a little bit by four days. And as a second time mom, it once 37 weeks hit, it's like, OK, when is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, I was bigger with Malachi. I was a little heavier. I needed like a support belt pretty early on. So just mm-hmm. like, OK, when is this baby coming? I remember just having some anxiety about like being post date, even though knowing babies are born at all different times, even knowing the facts, you still can really still get in your head sometimes. Absolutely. And I remember not wanting to do any like acupuncture, Cairo work because I I knew my my midwife wasn't going to suggest induction because there was no issue. So I was like, let's just see how things go. But once I hit my due date, I was like, Oh, maybe let's do some myofascial release. Mm -hmm. So I was doing Cairo adjustments through the 
pregnancy just for comfort. And because his position, he was a little, he was breached and then he was transverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the myofascial release, and it's a certain type of body work, which it's believed that there is like netting around our muscles mm-hmm. that kind of get tangled and bunched up. And myofascial release basically like untangles these and helps loosen these knots up. Right. And so I did that on, uh, on the day after my due date, the Wednesday, I believe like February 28th. And by that night, I was like, my hips feel really weird. They're starting to hurt <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And every day um, up until that, it like just hurt more and more. And I remember going to bed Friday and we kind of was just like, this baby's coming this weekend. We kind of all thought it was mm-hmm. um, going to start either Friday or Saturday and um, going to bed. And I used the bathroom and I went back to bed. And I just was waking up like every couple of minutes, but not because it, it was it was it wasn't like I was in pain, but something was just waking me up. Yeah. And after about the third or fourth time, I was like, oh, maybe these are contractions. Yeah. Like I'm waking up, I'm able to go back to sleep, but maybe something's starting. Right. And so I got up and I was like, babe, I think I think something's starting. But let me just take a shower to see, you know, yep. and I was in that shower for an hour. Right. Ironically, my labor started the same way with Mackenzie, the same time mm, with Mackenzie. Wow. Yes. And once I was in the shower standing up, they were immediately five minutes apart. Got it. And I noticed I was spotting too immediately. So every time a contraction would come, I would just turn my stomach to face the water and have the beating water on my stomach, which helped. Mm-hmm. And then after after an hour, I was like, I think we should call Takia and call <laughs> Tanisha. And it was so hilarious. Like he was like, Simone, your second time mom, you're spawning already. I'm making my way over. <laughs> and to me, I was really, once again, like overanalyzing. I was like, these are not long contractions. They yeah. have to be a minute apart. Yep. They are not reaching a minute. These are really short to Kia. It's too soon. If you want to come, sure. Hang out on my couch. But I'm fine. She was like, I'm making my way. <laughs> um, I made my way into the living room to sit on my birthing ball and immediately was like, turn off the TV, turn off the lights. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to hear anything. Don't talk to me. And I just closed my eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, Takia called in to check in. I called Tanisha and had a contraction while talking to her. And she was like, I'm on my way too. Yep. And then very quickly on the ball, I was like, I have to poop. <laughs> But I really thought I had to poop, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I just want to use the bathroom really, really bad. So Mark, like, put on oil, like, the, the um, on oil diffuser. We had the lights very, very low. And I go into the bathroom. And what's ironic is the week before I gave birth, I said, Mark, I think I'm going to need hip squeezes during my labor. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't need any touch with Mackenzie, which I thought would be the same. But something was like, so I taught him how to do hip squeezes. And I got on that toilet and I needed those hip squeezes. Mm-hmm. And I sat on that toilet and I remember Tanisha coming in while Mark, we were supposed to do a water birth and he's blowing up the pool. And <laughs> and um, every time the contraction came, I'm like, Mark, 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 stronger, stronger. He does the hip squeezes. Once I reach that peak, I'm like, I'm fine. He would go out, continue blowing up the, the, the pool. Yeah. Um, they just got more intense. They got stronger. Um, I started kind of like abusing him a little bit, like <laughs> grabbing his hand and, you know, holding yeah, him really yeah. close. I was hitting the toilet. So Tanisha had came maybe around four, 350, actually. And um, she was like, hey, what's going on? 
And I remember her rubbing some oil on my back. I think it was like a pepper or a cinnamon, like a hot oil, Mm -hmm. which felt like awesome on my lower back. And she did those hip squeezes while Mark was trying to also finish blowing up the pool still. Mackenzie was asleep still. (laughs) And um, I held her in close with that recontraction. But once the peak um, was over, I was fine. And I would like hit, like I would tap the toilet. I had like a rhythm. Mm -hmm. I would tap the toilet and be like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I would breathe and release that breath as the contraction came down. Yeah. And of course I tell everyone contractions are like a wave. So get over that peak and you'll be fine. Right. Um, and then Takia came maybe 15, 20 minutes later and I was already pushing without knowing I was pushing. Of course. <laughs> and, um, I was just like, I just want to poo. <laughs> and she's like, I think you're pushing. I'm going to examine you. And I'm still on the toilet. And she's like, you're 10 centimeters. The head is right there. And something happened. I think he just came down. He must've like came down really fast with that last contraction mm-hmm. after she, um, examined me and I remember her putting on her gloves and now we're all in my bathroom. I don't know how like Mark, my midwife, my doula and me are all in my bathroom. Make it work. <laughs> I make it work. <laughs> and she's like, Simone, stop pushing. Stop pushing. Like she hears my water break and he's coming out. Yeah. And she's like, it's his first day, first birthday. Blow out those candles. So letting me know to like slow down my breathing, mm-hmm. guide that breathing. It's all in the breath. And he came out and was on my chest <laughs> at about like 425, 430. Wow. So two and a half hours after I noticed and Mackenzie woke up to his first cry. Oh, and she came, she came in like running out of her room looking really lost and groggy. And Takiya and Mark was like, your baby brother's here. And she basked, she was awake and excited. <laughs> and then we like all moved to the bedroom. Yeah. Um, I remember them saying like, do you want to get in the tub? And I was just like, no, no. <laughs> I didn't use anything in my birth kit. Like they, tried to, they, lay, they laid out chucks pads for me on the bed, but I was not moving from the toilet. That good you know, old toilet. Yeah. It's a supported squat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, same thing for Mackenzie. The only difference with Mackenzie is because we aimed for a hospital birth. I, I got off the toilet just to make it to the hospital. Right. That was the only difference. Right. Um, and another thing, it was completely dark in my in my bathroom. Like I had all the lights off, like complete sensory deprivation. So kudos to my midwife because she was like, I don't need to see a baby to feel the baby. Mm-hmm. Right. I know what I'm feeling for. So once again, just being trusted into her experience that she's had. <laughs> yeah. It was intense. It was intense. At some point, I think I was just like, you need to get out of me. Yeah. But I knew as long as I stayed on that wave, I knew it was close. Like when it gets strong and hard, you're close. Right. Right. You know, and it's just remembering that. Right. And do you feel like knowing your body and understanding your body was different this time around because one, because you already did had it with Mackenzie or, and, or, and because you're a doula, do you feel like you, you were more into your body this time around? Yes and no, Mm -hmm. I guess I could say. Like, it was really, like, very similar experiences, Mm -hmm. I think. It was more intense with Malachi, but I think it was only because it was a shorter amount of time. But I was well aware of everything that was happening. Like, I felt him move. I felt him engage. I felt him come out. Like, right before he crowned, I was like, my vagina is opening up. My (laughs) vagina. You know? So my middle was like, okay, yes, yes. So I think it's, you know, I I know an unmedicated birth is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. 
But I think it did allow me to just be fully in touch with my body and my baby and what was needed and what, you know, those adjustments, those like moving those hips side to side and just making room for him to come down in the space. And I think even before being a doula with Mackenzie, I did those things. Mm -hmm. And just once again, with labor being powerful to put you where you need to be, I just felt labor. I felt birth. I didn't think about it. Right. Right. You know? And I think, you know, one of the wonderful benefits about home birth is you're in your safe space already. So there's no distractions and you are really able to follow without, you know, the lights or, you know, having to remind a nurse not to do this or you're just in that zone and in that space. So it makes it much easier for you to follow the lead of your body and your baby. Um, That's just one of the one of the many benefits I find from and not to say you can't experience that same type of thing in a hospital, but I do think it's it's an easier effort to do that. Yeah. In your home. Definitely. Definitely. And even with like monitoring and just getting the baby's heart rate, you know, it was very subtle. It was just a few like my midwife would say, Okay, we're gonna check the baby's heart rate now yeah. and it was just a few seconds of counting. Right. You know, nothing was um nothing felt intrusive. Right. Right. You know? Right. And I think something that that another great benefit is your baby's born, you go in your bedroom. Yes. Yes. That's it. (laughs) Um, It's just like easy peasy. Everyone, you know, was like, do you have to go to the hospital after? How do you know? Right. Well, you you know, type of thing. And it's just like, trust me, this is a well thought out plan. Mm -hmm. My midwife and my doula was with us for about four to five hours after, you know, making sure I ate, making sure I drank water, took a shower. Um, was relaxing. How was the first latch? Like all these things. I have beautiful, beautiful pictures of Mackenzie touching the placenta with gloves and, you know, the first weight check. It's just like a totally different experience that you're totally like empowered. Right. Through. And I think something to add to that is Mackenzie was really involved and, and, you know, she, she slept for the birth, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She still was able to go to appointments. She got to hear yes. his first cry. She yeah. she got to touch his placenta. Like I feel like that's yeah. creating a bond, one, to birth that's positive, but also to her brother coming into yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, which is she, just um, And I think that that's always a question. Like, how do we get big si- the older sibling ready? Right. You know? And she, she helped Akia with certain instruments, and Takia would walk her through certain procedures. And just yesterday, honestly, she was like, when do we see Takia again? <laughs> You know, when do we see your midwife again? Yeah. You know? Yes. So normalizing birth and normalizing what it looks like to for patient-centered care to occur. Exactly. Exactly. So can you tell us now a little bit about how postpartum started for you and how postpartum is going for you? I'm definitely talking a lot about my postpartum experience this time because it was totally night and day. In the beginning, although the births were very similar, similar um, with Malachi, I immediately noticed something was funky with the breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm a lactation counselor and I really, really could not have survived those first weeks without my community and calling on, you know, my doulas and my lactation consultants and my midwives for advice and just for like food. Right. Right. <laughs> and you come talk to me. Can you come bring us food? <laughs> um, so Malachi had a tongue tie. Mm hmm. And we had to get that revised. And not many people may know, but there's a tissue underneath your tongue. And it really controls your the mobility of your tongue in regards to eating and speaking. 
Um, and so my nipples immediately were pretty raw. Mm-hmm. They were bleeding. I was in immense amount of pain. Like every time he lashed, it was like needles going yeah. through my nipples. And um, because I am a second time mom, my milk came in immediately mm-hmm. and all looked well. But something was not right. Right. And, you know, the anatomy of the mouth is complex. And to the naked eye, I couldn't see it. Um, but in the end, I decided to see a, a doctor who's also a dentist to get it assessed. And he had a posterior tongue tie, okay. which is like you really can't see it. It's really hard. Yeah. And I tell people all the time when there's breastfeeding issues. Yeah, breastfeeding could be uncomfortable in the beginning, but it should not like be painful. You should not cringe every time you latch your baby. Yeah. Um, your nipples should look the same coming out as it went in. And poos and peas, of course, we're counting poos and peas to make sure the input is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so immediately I knew something was up. We we chose to get his tongue tie rectified, corrected, um, with laser. Okay. Which is um less bleeding as opposed to scissors. Okay. As well as it tends to, in my opinion, and through just working in the community, it helps to revise the tongue tie better than a scissors. Okay. Especially if it's a, a sh- like a deeper tongue tie. Got it. Um, and the dentist, we want to explain it beautifully in regards to not only sometimes does it affect breastfeeding, but it could affect speech and what to look for down the lines. Like sometimes toddlers have to get this revision done because they're having difficulties with speech development or food processing. Right. Your mm-hmm. your tongue is like the powerhouse to how you learn the world as a baby. Right. Right. Your mouth. You put everything in your mouth. Um so I just had anxiety around breastfeeding initially. Yeah. Um, I introduced pumping in a bottle probably day three or four, mm-hmm. which was totally different from Mackenzie, who nursed like a champ from the beginning. And we, we really did minimal bottles and went straight to the sippy cup around five months. Okay. Um, but he needed the bottle because my, my I, I was doing more damage nursing him actually than just pumping Okay. and giving the bottle. And plus he needed some ca- extra calories. He had lost a little bit of weight. And I think I was so nervous to latch him. I would, I was letting him sleep like five, six hours yeah. a day, three, four, which is not recommended. Mm-hmm. Right. We know <laughs> we wake you. They all they they say don't wake a sleeping baby, but I say, don't let it go over three hours. Right, right. Um, Especially in the beginning until we know breastfeeding and weight is okay. Right. So those extra, I was like literally like nursing, pumping on one side or sometimes pumping both while um, a bottle was given to him um, for the first like two weeks until we got the the tie revised. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And I, I would also like to mention sometimes so you can have... Tongue ties, and you can also have lip ties, correct? Yes, you can. Yes, 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 you can. Yes. And so his lip, he has a lip tie, but it wasn't anything that was affecting breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And the dentist was like, yeah, you don't have to do anything about that. It's no concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually it's believed you usually have both. You can't have one without the other to some degree. And there are, it's so funny how like many different ties there are and to what severity they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, um, looking back... It's definitely, I'm happy and I'm so blessed that I was able to get my community to come in and just say, no, the weight is questionable. Oh, no, his suck looks like this. And I would say there was a little bit of anxiety for like a couple of weeks after, too. I was going to a weekly support groups just to make sure he was gaining weight. Yeah. To make sure nothing was falling off um, my radar. And um, now I think being a doula and knowing so much, it's hard to not overthink things. Right. Sometimes, like, Ignorance is bliss to some degree sometimes because you could just like go with the flow. 
Right. You know, so I'm just trying to be present with Malachi and not be the doula, you right. know, be the lactation <laughs> counselor. Let, like, just be the mom. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's a hard thing to balance yeah. for sure. Like when you have that knowledge, but you're like, let's just let, let's just be in the moment with what we're doing yeah, and let the support group kind of help me and guide me, um, yeah. in that way. Um, so how do you, and, and for those, I am going to tag, you know, all your contact information, but something that I have found really helpful that you've been doing is sharing your postpartum journey through your Instagram stories. Um. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I feel like we're in a community that's all about the baby Mm -hmm. and everyone's birth doula, childbirth, all these classes up to the baby. And then after it's kind of like now what right how do I eat food how do I take a shower how do I wash my hair you know the reality of postpartum is not uh talked about right and I think it's definitely something that's starting to like light is being shed on it but there's also value to once you're in it too like people can tell you it you know at all but once you're in it you're like oh yeah right and I really think that's where the support piece because you're 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 not gonna know what postpartum is gonna look like for you like you said until you're in it yes yes. you're not gonna sometimes know what type of support you need until you're in it but overall there should just be support set up so that like when it happens you know okay this is who I'm going to first and then they can guide me Um, and I think that's that's another great piece about doing you know, midwifery care um, and a home birth is you're seeing your midwife much sooner than you would if you yeah. were have, if you were doing you know your care in a hospital. So like yeah. you wouldn't see you might go for the baby, but you're not getting yes. checked on yes. until six weeks out. And it's like there's so yes. many things that happen yeah. in between those six weeks. Yeah, so. and definitely, I think, and that's another thing that's getting more attention to, like postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, hemorrhaging, like all these complications that can come up for some, and it goes under the radar. Um, and like you said, you see the the pediatrician day two, I think, mm-hmm. day two, three, Um but there's so much that's happening with the birthing person that's not being discussed. Or even, like, if it's your first time, you might not even know, like, this is not normal. This is normal. Um, just having access to maybe texting your midwife makes a difference. Like, you know, just saying, hey, I this happened to the baby. The baby did this. What do you think? Just troubleshooting is really, really important. So what I say is, like, you may have family. You may have friends. You may have people being able to come over and you know provide some type of support. Make those visits like worth it. Like do laundry, have them wash dishes. Like someone should be offering something, right? And just in general, have like a soft postpartum plan set up, like just in case you you're not anticipating the worst, right? Right. But have some lactation consultants on on call on call that you can reach out to. Some support groups that you know in your area, postpartum doula, just certain people that you can't, you don't have to go to Google and at 12 o'clock, one o'clock oh, in the morning, yeah. trying to figure out how to make it through the next 24 hours. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, that's important, a postpartum, some type of postpartum plan. Cause we tell people, yeah, yeah. make your birth preferences, make your birth yeah. plans. What are you going to do once baby's home? Like, what's yes. that going to look like? Um, yes. How are you going to take care of you and baby? And, you know, if you are, if this is a, you know, you're adding to your family, what is sibling care going to look like? Yes. Um, that whole transition, it's all really important to think about. 
Yeah, I was surprised. I think as a, I think as a second time mom and a doula and just the work I do, I thought it was going to be so easy, <laughs> and it was not. And I think it took a while. It took at least a month to six weeks for me to be like, okay, I feel confident. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, we could we can get on the train. I can nurse in the carrier. You know, I'm not taking a nap when my daughter is like coming home from school, right. like after school, you know, right. um, I can make dinner, <laughs> right. you know, all of those simple things that you think is like, why not? When right. you're in the throes of being sleep deprived and a crying yes. baby and nursing on demand and you you don't know. Yes. It, it makes you go. feel trapped a little bit. If you like yeah. those small things, like just cooking a meal and yeah, yes, definitely like balance your rest. But like, sometimes you're like, I just want to do something. Different. Yeah. 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 Can I just want to get out the house? Yes. Like, go for a walk. Yes. It's like the simple thing. Exactly. Exactly. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Resources, advice, um, anything else from your birth, anything you think that's that's valuable they leave with? Yeah, I just think my main thing is, like, if you need help, ask for it. If Mm -hmm. you need support, ask for it. Like, we all have some level of community around us, whether it's blood or friends or just other moms or whatever it might look like. Just, like, get to know, I get like, your resources around you locally, from support groups to doulas to lactation consultants to classes. Like, it's really, really important and so Ideally, postpartum, when you need them, you have access at the at your fingertips. And then also just like involvement from your partner. It's really mm-hmm. important, I think, to talk candidly about what you're experiencing preg- in pregnancy as well as postpartum. Mm-hmm. And when you you may need to ask your partner just like, you know, can you wash dishes tonight? Can you cook dinner tonight? Can yeah. you, I know this is something new for you, but you know, I really need this right now. Just being gracious with one another and our communication with our partners, cause they may not get it. They may not get it at all, but right. just having that open dialogue is really important too. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it's interesting. I recently read an article um, about partners also dealing with postpartum, depression and anxiety um and that's a real thing and i think you like you said being gracious with each other because it's different like this transition is huge for everybody Mm -hmm. um and if you're able to communicate with each other it it, it can really help you you know see the joy in the 1 a.m crying yeah yeah Yes. And, you know, it it doesn't look the same. Like your communication, your relationship, things shift with the baby. And it's kind of like relearning each other. Exactly. Right. And making space for the the transition. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, And thank you for always being um, support when I need it. Um, but like I said, I'm going to make sure that everybody has your, your information so that they can keep following your stories like I've been doing. Um, but for our listeners, if you found that you connected to any parts of today's show or are interested in more stories, please subscribe and let us know what you think. If you find yourself wanting to share your story, head over to elegyjula.com to complete a story submission. Um, as always, thanks again for listening and joining our community today. Yeah. Bye, Laurel. Bye, everybody. Bye. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, go to lgdoula.com.